At Woodside Bible Church, we gather weekly to pursue God by studying His Word together. How can Christians find the motivation necessary to overcome the challenges of our modern culture and continue the mission that God has called us to? In Revelation, All Things New, we'll discover a glorious description of the end of all things and the great kingdom to come. It's here we find motivation for our present challenges. Join us as we look to the end and find hope and strength for our mission in the present. As we continue, um, we're going to open God's Word together, um, and we are going to continue on our series, uh, All Things New, in the book of Revelation. So if you go ahead and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, uh, we're going to be in verses 9, and then we're going to go to 22, verses 5. And so as you turn there, what comes to mind when you think of heaven? What comes to mind when you think of heaven? Is it just a bright light? Is it a place full of clouds where we will sit on them and play harps for all of eternity? And the biggest question, do all dogs go to heaven? One of my favorite movies of all time. My suspicion is that for most of us, heaven seems to be a long-off thing or something that we, we don't really dream of and, and really doesn't have a very has very little significance to our day-to-day life. And maybe that changes when we get older and we get, and we get closer to getting ready to die. But when we think about it, heaven, our minds revolve around maybe dreams of those clouds and those harps and angels. Uh, our framework of heaven is maybe St. Peter with his, with his checklist, with his clipboard saying, okay, you're in, you're out. Um, why should I let you in? Or maybe you have a more modern uh, view of heaven where it's just a peaceful meadow where there's a, 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 a brook that runs and it's going and it's just peaceful and it's tranquil and there's no noise, there's no sound. My introverted self loves this idea. <laughs> But maybe that's your view of heaven. But honestly, when we think of heaven and how it affects our, our everyday lives, there's no drive or, or compulsion to get there. Heaven, heaven's coming, but it's kind of boring and unattractive when we look at it compared to the things we do in this life. And maybe for some of us, we really hope it doesn't come all that quickly. We've been looking at, at the book of Revelation, the last four chapters, and we're seeing um, the story come to an end. We're getting to read the end of what happens. And oftentimes we can look at Revelation as, as an instruction manual, as one that's going to give us all the timelines and give us all the, the details of what to look for. But, but it has a deeper meaning than that. See, this book was written with a deeper meaning than just giving us a layout of what to expect and how to know that the end is coming. Because John, who's writing this, is writing to a Christian community who is struggling, who's being oppressed, who is needing hope because they're under the hostile power of the Roman Empire. See, John sees a church that's being assaulted and beaten and despairing because of because it seems like evil is going to win and that there is little hope. But John here is writing to these believers to give them that hope, 
to give them the hope that there, there will be one day where we do know that there is victory. We do know that Satan and, the, and evil will be defeated. And that all things will be made new. And there's going to be a renovation of the new heaven and a new earth like we talked about last week. And so as we continue looking at what this looks like, we're going to get a, a, a more specific view of heaven, specifically the city of God. Before we jump in, I know that we have, uh, it's family worship Sunday, so we have kids. So I found a, a really cool video to show us, to give us a good framework, and kids give you a good framework of what we've been talking about the last two weeks. So let's go ahead and watch this video. Hey kids, have you ever thought about what heaven is like? Maybe you saw on a TV show it was going to be a big white room. Or maybe you think it's going to be a never-ending, boring day. The Bible gives a hint to what it's like. So let's find out. Heaven is a lot different than Earth. Earth can be a really sad place where really bad things happen. Things like war and mean people and sickness and death. There are a lot of things that can make life really sad and tough. In heaven, there isn't any of that stuff. So we won't have to be sad ever again. Heaven is better than the best birthday party you've ever been to. Think of the funnest birthday party you've ever been to. Maybe there are a lot of candies, party hats, and party games. In heaven, we'll have more fun than that party. Heaven is a place filled with color and life. Not a boring white room nothing with nothing to do. In fact, the Bible tells us that heaven will have streets of gold and there will be no more crying and no more pain. It will be like one big celebration all the time. And do you know what we will be celebrating in heaven? In heaven, we get to be with Jesus forever. That's what we'll be celebrating. We get to live with Jesus forever. Once we get there, we'll be able to spend all kinds of time with him. You might not think that's very cool, but just think about it. God created the whole entire universe, and you get to hang out with him. That is awesome. Now kids, there's one more very important thing we should know about heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. The only way to get into heaven is by rubbing your belly and patting your head at the same time. Just kidding, that would be ridiculous. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. There's no other way, not even being a really nice or good person. Memory verse. Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The only way to get to heaven is believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's it. That's all you have to do. So kids, the next time you're thinking about what heaven might be like, don't think of a boring white room. Think of an awesome party with God. And if you want to be that cool party called heaven, talk to a parent or teacher today. All right. I love to think about that and just being able to be with Jesus forever. And so as we jump into our passage this morning, we're going to specifically see, last week we saw the new heavens and the earth, we're going to specifically look at the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And what we're going to see is what makes the city of God so glorious. Why should we long for 
and live to enter the city. Because that's our bottom line. Our bottom line is we want to long for and live for the city of God. And what these verses show us is it will reveal three elements about the city of God that will, uh, that will cause us to long for and live for the city of God. So let's go ahead and look at verses 9 through 21. It says this, Then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies foursquare, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurements, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacith, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates had, were twelve pearls. Each of these gates made a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. We see the beauty of this city. We see so many things about this city, and we see the, these elements that come together. We see what the, the city is going to be like. We first see that this is going to be John's final, second part of the final vision that we will see the final eternal state of the kingdom of God. So the angel brings John to a great high mountain where he's going to be able to look upon the holy city of Jerusalem as it's coming down from heaven. And in verse 11 through 21, we're given of this description of the city itself. And as I was reading it, I was mesmerized by the fantastic and mind-blowing vision of this city. There are three things that we see specifically about that city that makes this a glorious city and gives us an understanding. One, we see in the very first verse 11, we see that it's having the glory of God. All of God's glory will be in this city. It will be there. And I think about the, the, the Old Testament. I think about Moses. And I think about how he briefly saw the robe of, of Jesus as he was passing, as God as he was passing by in the cleft of rock. And how magnificent God's glory is that it completely 
made Moses glow when he went back to the Israelites. That's a failed comparison about what God's glory will do. We will see God's unobstructed greatness in the city. Second thing we see the city is it's secure and it's structured. It talks about the walls and the gates. And these walls and these gates are, to, are, are high. This gives us the vision that, it's, that it's unable, there's not going to be an ability to tear them down. It's so strong that no enemy can withstand it. And that only way through is through those gates. The city, the city contrasts the great cities of Babylon and Rome because the city is completely secure. And what's amazing about this city now is because God's judgment has been given that there is no enemies to go against it. So its gates are not closed. But the fact is these gates are open. The city is described as, as a square with the 12 gates on them from each side. And the, the, the imagery, the, the, the understanding of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, it shows us the fact that heaven is not just for one certain people and for one certain covenant. But the city of God is for all those who have placed their faith in Jesus, past, present, and future. That you don't have to be a part of the old covenant with Israel, but you also can be a part of the new covenant of Christ. And then thirdly, we see about this city is that there's this, is that of the inner sanctuary. It's describing what, is, what we talked about last week, which is the holy of holies uh, with Israel's temple. He describes the quality and beauty of the city. It's depicted by having all the precious jewels and the purest of golds. And it's meant to overwhelm us and, and, and inspire us because of its beauty. See, the intent of the vision of the layout of the city is to cause us to long for this perfect place. Because this is where the city, that, that this is where God dwells. That God's dwelling isn't just in one little box, but the entire universe is the most holy place of the temple. And we can probably admit that cities often don't get the best raps, right? From the old buildings being boarded up and left vacant to the alleyways being overgrown to often the news stories telling us about violence and major crime that exists in the cities. I think one, it's hard to think of Cleveland or Chicago as a safe, beautiful, virtuous place to live or even vacation. The seemingly overpopulation of the cities Give, give way to problems like pollution and waste and filth. These are the perspectives that we have on cities of this world. And let's not even talk about the rats. Right? 
Sometimes we think of cities and we're like, we don't want to, we can spend time there, sure, to see the amazing buildings and all the things they have to offer, but I don't want to live there for some of us. But what we see is this city, the city of God, is a place we want to live. This city is a place that we want to be a part of because it's like a utopia. It's a perfect place that contains no crime, no pollution, nor violence. Yet beyond the things that the city doesn't have, we also need to think about what the city does have. And that should give us more desire. The city has unending beauty, radiant glory, perfect harmony, everything in its right place. That is what's being offered in the city of God. The city that shines with the glory of God is the ultimate place for security and peace. There's no need for streetlights or guard dogs or security cameras because his splendor and magnificence are without compare. And all the things that we can think about when we look at different houses and different places that seem glorious and amazing, those only fail in comparison to what this city will look like. So we see that this is the home for the bride of Jesus. It's the home of the priestly people of God. This is where we will live and experience God's glory. So not only do we see that the city of God is, is precise in, in its size and quality, we see that it's secure, we see that it's a place of God's glory. The, thing, the next thing we see that the city of God that attracts us is the light of the city. The light of the city. In verse 22, it says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it it light. And its lamp is the Lamb, but its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into and its gate will, gates will never shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Yes, amen. We see that John's vision of this new Jerusalem continues, and he's not, the, he, the one thing that he realizes that's not in the city is the temple, which seems very strange to these, re- these readers who are like, wait, every city they come a part of, every city they come into, there's also always a temple. There's also always, always a place for a god or another where there will be worship. This heavenly city is without a temple. The reason is because the temple is unnecessary. Because the whole city is God's presence. Because God's presence, like we saw, is the dwelling place of God is with man. 
But think about this vision. He says specifically that this city of God has no need for sun or for moon. That it's, it doesn't need light. It doesn't need the sun or the moon to give light. But it's God's glory that will shine bright in this place. That there will be no darkness because God is there. God is the light. God is the source. As God's presence fills everything, so his glory pervades everything. For the glory of God gives it light. And it's lamp as the lamb. The openness of the gates, the lack of night, the purity of all that enter invites the readers to envision a place of complete holiness, complete safety, blessing, and good. The glory and the honor of the nations is included to remind us that, that God's city, that this heavenly place is gloriously diverse. It includes every tribe and language and people and nation in the city of God. See, the culture of the New Jerusalem is inclusive of every ethnic culture, every people group. And heaven will be this bright, multicolor mosaic of all people. What a glorious day that will be. Evil is completely absent in this new place. There's nothing that can remove the peace and the security and the goodness of what is to come. For the glory of God and the lamb, lamp of the Lamb provided is unending light to the city. There's a lot of places that I want to go see in my life. I have, I have a bucket list of places I want to see. One is Italy. The other is uh, France. But one of the other places that I would love to see is that I would love to see the Northern Lights. Right? This is just a, a picture uh, of the Northern Lights. Just a look, the beauty and the tapestry of all the colors and the lights, and it shines on the surrounding areas. It shows us its beauty and its majesty. And this picture shows us that, but I can only imagine seeing it in, in person, being able to experience the majesty of it and how it lights up the sky and it reflects on the earth. But what I'm also astounded by is how it shows us the deep creativity of our God and shows us how God is so glorious and the way that these lights shine in the sky is a far comparison of how God's glory will shine in the city of God. This description this description of the city of God, John stops and he says, look at how amazing how the city is, but there's an exhortation here. In verse 27, he says, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're called to consider who will enter in and be a part of the city of God. And it's only those 
who will be in the Lamb's book of life. So how is it that we are, can be a part of the Lamb's book of life? How can we be a part of being the one that can enter the city? The scriptures point to one person, Christ. Because those who have repented of their sin, confessed their need before, but confessed their need for God and a need for forgiveness, and have turned from their ways and placed their faith and trust in God alone, can be a part of that book of life. If Jesus truly is your Savior and Lord, your name is written in the book of life. John 10, 727 gives us this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No, no one will snatch them out of my hand. If your faith is in Jesus and you are depending alone, and you're depending alone on his perfect holy life, his sacrificial death, and the cross for your sins and his resurrection from the dead on the third day, then you will be in that book of life. However, if you are unsure or lack of assurance, I have this invitation. Come to Jesus in faith. He doesn't require you to be perfect, to have it all together, to know all the right answers. He doesn't he doesn't require you to know the Bible backwards and forwards. He only requires you to be humble and to come to him, not all dressed up, looking the part of a professional in righteousness or religious matters, but as a little child. But as a little child seeking his favor. The good news is that Jesus will never turn away or cast out anyone who comes to him with sincere faith. So we long for and we live to enter the city of God. We run to Jesus by sincere faith. The city is open to you. So we saw that the layout of the city and the light of the city should, should cause us to long for and live to enter the city. But the third beautiful element that we see that should motivate us is the life of the city. Starting in chapter 22. He says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. We see that the river, we see the river that flows, and this river flows from the throne of God and the Lamb, and the source of its river is God Himself. This river is life giving. It nourishes 
the vegetation that is around it. It, be, it. It's bringing flourishing to the tree of life that is fruitful and abundant. I love how we see this bookend because we see the, the, it's a temple garden in the very beginning where God is dwelling with man in this garden in the very beginning of, the, of time to now he's ending this, cha- ending this book with another temple of garden in, in Revelation 22. The tree of life we encountered in the Garden of Eden is now here in the New Jerusalem, and from it brings life. All things made new, all things made right, all things beautiful, holy, and good. We see that the city of God concludes with this relational life that will abound in this city. God will be with his people. We will be seen by his people. He will be seen by his people and he will be identified as his people. We see evil and darkness will be displaced forever, that there will again be no more evil. And he will rule and reign eternally. Charles Spurgeon, a a famous uh, pastor theologian, um, in his sermon on this passage, he he introduced this passage in this way. He says, Brethren and sisters, regard the object of our expectations. See the happiness which is promised to us. Behold the heaven which awaits us. Forget a while your present cares. Let all your difficulties and your sorrows vanish for a season and live for a while in the future which is so certified by faithful promises that you may rejoice in it even now. The veil which parts us from our great reward is very thin. Hope gazes its gauzy fabric. Faith with eagle eyes permeates the mist which hides eternal delights from longing eyes. See, the city of God is full of life. Because God is there. We will see him. Do you long for this? Is there there an expectant hope and a desire to be with Christ forever? We like to think of heaven as a place where everything will be perfect and wonderful. We will see our deceased loved ones again and will be a perfect bliss. But often our vision of heaven is missing something. It's missing Christ. Sometimes we, we want all of the amazingness, all of the blessings of heaven, but we forget the real reason why heaven is so beautiful and blessed is because of God. The city of God is where is the place where God dwells with his people perfectly and fully we, forever. We will see him. The most important feature of the new world is not we will, what we will do or whom we will see. The greatest joy in the new creation will be that fellowship that we have with God and with Jesus. John does not concentrate on our seeing and enjoying one forever, though that will happen. 
But he fixes our attention on the beauty of the city. This beauty, the city is lovely because the Lord is there. And if our hearts do not thrill at the prospect of seeing God and the Lamb, we really need to evaluate our relationship with God. Because if we always seek are the benefits of following God and not the relationship with God, we will not experience the city. Do you long for the city of God? If so, live to enter it by your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we are so thankful for this vision that we have of your glorious city. God, we see the majesty that we will be a part of. We see how you are going to make all things new. God, we pray. We pray that we will have the right focus on the reason why we want to be a part of this city. Not because of the benefits, not because of how beautiful it is, but by, because we will be with you. God, help us to look forward to this day while also being passionate about bringing others into the city. God, for those of us in this room that we're not sure if we are in the Lamb's Book of Life, God, I pray that you stir in their hearts. That they ask the question, what is keeping me back from being all in? To receiving the grace that you so freely give. The forgiveness you so freely give. God, my prayer is that we will see each other again in the city of God, and we will bring you glory and bring you praise for all eternity. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.